thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, God, that we can call you Father. Thank you for being a father to us and comforting us as a father. Thank you for loving us as a father. Thank you for treating us as sons and daughters. We love you, Father. Your love was manifested in your son. We lift up the name of your son, Jesus Christ, in this place. We love you, Lord. And we remember everything you've done for us at the cross. Thank you. Thank you for ransoming us by your blood. We honor you, Lord. You are great and marvelous. Your love endures forever. And we'd like to thank you for giving us life eternal to be with you forever. We thank you, Jesus. I pray, Lord, by your grace that you are the center of everything we do because you bought us at a price. And thank you for your love that paid the ultimate price for our life. We love you, Lord. And we rejoice today because we are victorious with you. For we are seated in heavenly places at the right hand of God, so are you. Thank you that you give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray for this victory to become reality in our minds, our hearts, and our flesh. And I pray for everything to be restored by the Spirit of grace. Thank you for your grace, Lord. We love you. Thank you for what you've done in this place. Thank you for what you've done in our personal lives. But we honor you. Everything we are today is because of you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Uh, welcome all. It's a joy so we can gather to, together today in the name of the Lord Jesus to learn how to walk with him. Amen. Praise God. Ready? Ready for today? Is my daughter here? Which one? Nice, good question. Gabriella. Gabriella? Gabriella, you can come. Can I just have a microphone if you don't mind? My daughter's going to be preaching this session. No, I'm okay. Soon, soon. Soon. Yeah, thanks. How are you, Dad? This is my daughter, Gabriella. How many people here have children? We're going to learn something today. Okay. Hey, you're nervous, Dad, or are you okay? Mm-hmm. You're going to be nervous? It's okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, just before I, get a, before I get her to share a little testimony, we all have children, right? Yes. 
So for the last nine years, I've invested into other people's families <clears throat> to build them up and to strengthen them in the Lord uh, for the sake of loving Christ. The reason why I've invested all my life into going into families, building the family, the children, and allowing an amazing foundation to be established. That's my heart. I wouldn't say that I neglected my family, but I've done everything I can to usher the door for them to have an encounter with the Lord. And I want to share something with you that is very important. Even at a young age, the enemy is at work. And even at a young age, Jesus is at work. And I want to encourage um, people that have children to not to think that they're too young to have an encounter or they're too young for God to speak to them. When the Holy Spirit said to me, uh, my other daughter Mariah, she got taken to heaven by two angels and she met the Lord. That was probably a year ago. The Lord said this to me. He said, because you invested in my children, my family, I turned my attention to your children. And uh, fear would say, I wouldn't say if it's fear, but fear would say I have to preach as much as I can to my children so that I don't fall away or walk away from the Lord. But truth be told is that when, when you walk, you become an example of Christ. And also you give them the opportunity to have their own encounter with the Lord. The Bible says we are to teach our kids in the way of the Lord and never depart from it. It's true. But greater than that is that when they have an encounter with the living God themselves, it'll be settled in their hearts that Jesus is real and he's turned his attention to them. So one night I'll share with you because you will learn from this. Every person that have children here, you will learn. The, the most blessed nights for me one night I was sitting in my lounge room and all my kids are around me. And they like to do Bible questions or I share testimonies with them. I do the children ministry now every Sunday. But this was before the children ministry. The Holy Spirit said, I want you to gather all your children and tonight I'm going to speak to them. So all my children gathered. The eldest is from 12 down. And the Holy Spirit said, to each one of them something that resonates with them. He spoke to them in a way they can understand. But for my daughter Gabriella, the Holy Spirit said, tell her that her ears are going to begin to burn with God's presence and the way of my glory is going to come into her. And she's going to, be, she's going to feel it as I speak. And her ears started to burn with such a presence of God and the weight of God's presence came into her belly. The Bible says the rivers of living water went into your belly. Entered her. Where she told me, stop. Tell her to stop. It's too heavy. And the anointing of God got so heavy into her. And the Holy Spirit said that she's going to begin to hear me. 
And she said, how am I going to know that God spoke to me? And I said, when he speaks, whether a voice or a thought or a dream, you'll know it's him. So, just like the enemy is working at a young age, which you look around in schools, the way that people carry themselves, the way that people um, uh, are open to such an open and raw attack of the enemy for children to be rebellious and to be antichrist and whatnot. The Holy Spirit came. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit came to her in her dream, and she encountered Jesus. And she's going to share what she saw, word for word. So, give us some grace. It's the first time here. So, Dad, I want you to share. You can stop if you want, and um, you can stop if you want. But you can share how you interpreted the dream, how you had the first dream and you didn't understand what it meant. And then she didn't even tell us. She had a dream about two types of lights. And I think she's taking my role. <laughs> she, she, had two, she, had, she had a dream and she saw, she saw um, two types of lights and she, it kept coming two, three days in a row and she didn't understand. So she said, Lord, can you show me what this means? And then the Lord took her again that night. And she's going to share. You can share from the beginning, Dad, how you want. And uh, okay, share so the people can understand. Thank you. <laughs> so you, want, you want mommy to come stand with you, or are you okay? Okay, go. Okay, sorry. Um, so my first dream was um, when I like there was a fire coming. And when you step into the fire, you won't, like, be godly and stuff. You, you just, like, swear and all those stuff and be the opposite of God's word. And, and then um, I stepped into the fire and I, like, I didn't know what it meant. So um, that was the end of my dream. And then I'm like, what did that mean? And then... And I'll hold it for you. And uh, and then the like, I I started praying, and then like months later, or days. So so how many days later? I I can't remember, but okay, okay. couple of days later. Couple of days later, okay. Um, my second dream came. Uh, so you asked the Lord to show you what that means. Yeah. Okay, go. And then my second dream came, and I I was lifted up to heaven, and God showed me that there was like a line in the middle of it where there's like a red world, like Satan's world and God's world. And then I was so confused when I woke up. So I prayed again. And then straight the next night, I prayed in bed so I can like know what that means. Um, and then my third dream was exactly I lifted up to heaven my, like my second dream and like there was like more details. There was angels like worshipping and stuff. It was like so bright and then um, God was like this big yellow light with like r white rays around it and he took me to Satan's world. Um, he said to me, um, I won't force you but do you want to go there? And then, like, in Satan's world, um, they had, like, 
rude people on like Satan was controlling them to like sort of like a puppet. Like, like strings of puppets, he was controlling the people. And like the girls were like that were getting controlled. Um, they had like piercings everywhere, tattoos everywhere, and like they dyed their hair red and doing different things to their bodies and stuff. And um, and then they were trying to convince me that it's fun to do it. And like they were doing it on like a closed tomb, and all the colours in Satan's world was like red and all the dark colours and. Um, yeah, so that was like the end of my dream. And that was it. Yeah. And you were you were you were thinking you were thinking about before those dreams that it's cool to dye her hair. Yeah, and cool to do. Yeah, you can share stuff. that too. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can share that. So you thought you know it's cool to you can't wait to get older so you can explore the world. Is that right? Yeah. You were thinking that in your mind. Yeah, and I was like asking questions to God, like, why can't I do this? It's not that bad. <laughs> and then God showed me the dreams. God showed you the truth? Yeah. And, 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 and what, which path you want to choose now? Uh, God's path. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I just encourage you... Um, that the greatest way that your children can grow up in the way of the Lord is by encounter. It's true, right? And that's not to undermine um, the labor that we put into our children as parents. It's not to undermine that. But our laboring is to usher them so they can have an encounter with God. Right? Yeah. The greatest encounter is Jesus coming to them. And he's come to three of my children now, face-to-face uh, -face encounters. Um, <clears throat> today in my journey, the only way I move forward is from encounters. To teach, encounter, to be guided, encounter, to be moved. Everything is based by encounters. And I encourage you that at a young age, God invested his time into my children and the door is open for him to speak and to guide. Amen. And I encourage you not to put any limits on God because he can't wait to speak. He can't wait to encounter you and speak with you and guide you because there's nothing more powerful than an encounter. Paul became Paul because of an encounter. And then you lay down your life and then you love the truth and then you walk with him. But in, there's nothing more powerful than an encounter. So I just felt like to share this with all the parents that have children. That all our laboring is to usher the door for an encounter. Many people think that they have to labor to protect them from the world or the evil one. And that has volume, it does. But the greatest labor is to produce the word, show them the word, God will come and bless it. Mm -hmm. So thanks for that, Gabriela. So I promised...
I promise that every, um, every week I'll share a little testimony from week to week. So I'll share a little testimony. You just want to hear? Or I'll start preaching. The greatest testimony is the preaching, right? The Bible says signs and wonders will follow the preaching of the gospel. My father, my father, my physical father, he came from overseas. He had two blocked arteries. And this is not to condemn the other Christian man or to look down on him or to speak down on him. This is just to correct our belief system. So when I bring up another Christian, no name, it's not to look down on him or to be spiteful against him. It's just to correct our belief system. Okay? So <clears throat> this other man told my father, took him to the doctor, that he needs two stents in his arteries to open. They took him to... They took him to the doctor and they'd done the scans and whatnot. And they said that my father needs two stents. So he had the um, appointment for Royal Prince Alfred to get, to go in. I don't know what it's called. The tunnel that goes in? MRI. MRI. CT. Yeah, okay. So they took him to, before they took him to Royal Prince Alfred, my father would come and he would walk and pace up and down my house. And I said, Dad, I said, I respect you. And if you choose to go and do those stents, I'll support you, but I don't believe that. And I said, I, I know what Jesus has done for me and what he done for you in the previous past, but he'll do that also for you. I go, but if you want healing, you come to the church and I pray for you here. And he said to me, yeah, pray for me now. I said, no. I said, I pray for you here. And that was a statement that I think God put on my heart, that this is the direction that I'm going. And yes, we will go back and support and strengthen and help our family, yes. But this is the path that I'm going. It's like when Jesus was walking and people came on his path. He didn't go out of his way to heal them. They came to his path to be healed. And I'm not making that statement for my father, but it's just like what I felt led to tell him. So my father came two, two weeks ago, and he's, he's a fearful man. He was, he was brought up. His mum died when he was two years old. He went through so much in his life, and he had a lot to carry. And I said, Father, I said, we have a father now that looks after both of us. Although I respect you and I love you, we have God our Father now. He's both our fathers. And um, the Holy Spirit done something different. The Holy Spirit said, tell him to put his heart on your heart when I came to pray for him. The Holy Spirit said, to put, tell him to put his heart on my heart and my power will begin to enter him. And that's exactly what happened. And I got teary. God's compassion fell over both of us. God's mercy fell. And the man who was telling my father, go get scans, do the stents, you know, um, these things happen, it's normal. Um, I told him off, not in a rude way, but I said, listen, like, we don't stand on this. Jesus 
Bible says by his stripes and his wounds were healed. And let's say you don't believe, believe, it's not healthy to change the belief system based on your unbelief. So my father went to get scans and by the grace of God he got healed. Fully. Thank you, Jesus. So, something that I wanted to share. The most, probably the, the error in the body is that when we are going through unbelief or we have restrictions or limitations in our belief system or our faith, we, we make judgment on God's word that it can't prevail for our lives. So I learned something I'll just share with you quickly. Look, whatever you go through, don't make judgment on God's word. If you're a work in progress, and the Bible says all his promises, they are yes and they are amen unto Christ. And, and all his promises is around 7,200 promises. They are all ours by faith. And we are a work in progress, but for a believer to go down that path, it's sad and dangerous because Jesus claimed healing at the cross, redemption, and everything we need to live a life of freedom. He died a painful death for us so we can truly be free, only to be received by faith. And that is the cross. That is our gift. And one of the gifts is healing. But the greatest gift is when he comes into your heart and changes it. That is the greatest gift. So I'll just share that testimony. Also, I'd like to challenge you that what testimony do you hold on to? Is your faith constant? The Bible says that these works he produced before the foundation of the universe, so we can walk in it. Are we people winning souls? Are we people who are reflecting the gospel week by week? Or have we come to a place of a standstill where we're not seeing the true power and the true gospel in our lives? Yeah. You, you, people ask questions. How come I cannot hear? What went wrong? Or did I hear in the beginning? So today I'm going to teach about how to set the right foundation. Amen? It's so good. Setting the right foundation prepares you to hear the voice. And a lot of people, they make a mistake, you know, Lord, speak with me. Yeah. Lord, direct me. But they forget about the whole process. So, last week, oh, I got the microphone. I'll do it again. No pressure, but just one answer, please. So, last week, can we have the title? Is that all right? So last week I spoke about, does anyone remember what I spoke about last week? I can't hear. Did anyone remember what I spoke about last week or what was the title from last week? Truth? What the Holy Spirit thrives for. Amen. 
Well done. So one person was listening. <laughs> so what the Holy Spirit thrives for inside of man, the first encounter you have with the Holy Spirit, or the first encounter or the first activity of the Holy Spirit is the foundation of truth. The Spirit of truth, when he comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Okay, so it's interesting, right? So the first foundation is to establish truth. Now, where does that take you? I really believe the Holy Spirit wants to establish truth um, and foundation so we can know how to walk with God. Right? Imagine you hearing the gospel and say, I have to preach the gospel and I have to go do as much as I can for God. But you haven't gone through the process that is based on God. That's why so many people uh, full steam ahead and they always get taken back for some areas that haven't been checked. So, I have a question. Uh, someone would walk around. Yeah, AJ. I have a question. What do you think the next foundation after receiving truth? Now, I want to speak something. So, we established one of the ways that Satan remains in a believer's life is the lack of God's word. Jesus in the wilderness. It is written three times that allowed Satan to be resisted and allowed him to move away from Jesus, right? There's three times. It is written, it is written, it is written. Hosea 4.6 tells us, my people are destroyed by their lack of knowledge. So, so the first foundation of how we need to walk is based on knowing the truth. Right? So, Luke chapter 8, they heard the word of joy. Satan came and stole it from their hearts. They had a shallow foundation of God's truth. Kept Satan in their midst. So the lack of truth is the first pillar of how to get to know God. Right? What do you believe the next foundation is? So if I was to come to you and say, can you please lead me to Christ? What would be the next foundation? So truth was given. Truth was given by the grace of our Lord Jesus to us. What do you think the next foundation that we have to establish? What do you believe the next foundation would be? To be a doer of the word? Doer of the word, okay. Yeah, that's a good, that's good answer. Yeah. Uh, no Google here, please. <laughs> uh, to know the word. To know? Know the word. To know the word. Amen. So to be a doer of the word and to know the word, they're both good answers, but I'm looking for one particular thing. I know this is about being wrong. Love? That's okay. Love? Yeah. Amen, that's good. It's not right, though. Not right. <laughs> So, uh, I'll make it a bit more. Uh, what happened there? 
Chris, I told you, stop buying stuff from garage sale. <laughs> uh, no more stuff from garage sale. <laughs> Cracking jokes today. All right. Um, yeah. Are we safe? Yeah, are we yeah, safe? yeah. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Um, to speak the word over your situation. So to confess the word over your situation. Okay. So let's, I'll, I'll, I'll make it a bit more clearer. So you get the word of God, right? So you want to humble yourself. What's the next foundation that God sees right after receiving truth? Repentance, closer, very close. Righteousness, fear of the Lord, uh, uh, conviction. Okay. Anyone? Anyone else? I can't hear. You, sorry. Obedience. Anyone else? The blood. The blood of Christ. Okay, we'll get into it. Sonia was very close. Yeah, like, it's half the answer. Repentance. Yeah. So we'll go to the scripture. I'll preach one. I'll preach one from Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 11 to 22. Now, this scripture is when Solomon first built the temple of the Lord, right? It's a door, it's a door and a picture of the temple of the Lord, which is us. Okay? So, I've got two scriptures, so we can compare them together. So, Solomon just built the temple of the Lord, and God spoke to him. And I, I really believe uh, that the way that we are building our foundation um, throughout churches in Australia, uh, I may say that we've missed the mark. There's a reason. Uh, probably we've understood the grace of God very shallow and not understood why God gave us the word. Okay, today you're going to learn why Jesus gave us the word. Okay, let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 11 to 22. Now, <clears throat> very important that you know this. So Solomon finished the temple of the Lord, as well as the royal palace, he completed everything he had planned to do in the construction of the temple and the palace. <clears throat> then one night, the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this temple as the place for making sacrifices. So this scripture here is a picture of God building, God building our vessel and what he desires, right? The picture of the Old Testament is a physical building. Now God is interested in a spiritual building, right? 
So our body now is the temple of the living God. Right? Greater is the one who's in us than the one who's of the world. So that temple now is the internal temple. Now God wants to establish something. We read. <clears throat> then one night the Lord... Of, oh, sorry. So at times... Oh, can we go back, please? Then one night the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this temple as the palace for making sacrifices. So you know the scripture says that we are to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice unto God. Okay. At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain fall, or command grasshoppers to devour your crops, or send plagues among you. Then if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves, and this is it here, the first procedure of receiving the word of God, they will humble themselves and they would pray. So, not pray, not pray to be used by God. We're going to get into it a bit more intense. They would pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. So, what's the first foundation of prayer? is a prayer of repentance to turn from your wicked ways. And imagine coming to Christ and bypassing this. Or imagine thinking there's nothing inside to be cleansed. And you can probably say, this has been my message for the last eight years. It's the message of the gospel. So the first foundation after receiving truth is repentance to turn from their wicked ways. Now I want you to understand something here. Repentance by itself means nothing. But repentance where it goes means something. Now repentance by God was to birth holiness, righteousness through sanctification. So repentance by itself, it's shallow. But you must know where repentance leads to. It leads to sanctification. That makes you holy. That allows you to be righteous. That allows you to be used by God. So the first level of prayer is the most important one. Why? Because it gives you the ability to see what's inside your heart. Right? Imagine praying, Lord, let me see what my heart is really is. And you begin to see have I, have I uh, walked with the Lord in this way? So I'll keep reading the scripture. <clears throat> so if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins and restore their land. My eyes will be opened and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this palace. Isn't that interesting that it says that my sheep hear my voice, they follow me. You start to see the connection of why people struggle to hear the voice of God. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting, someone? So the greatest, the greatest blockage from someone hearing God is, is a prayer that has not changed my heart. This is God speaking. My eyes... So, for I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy. You start to see? 
from wickedness, you hear his voice, you start to walk in holiness. A place where my name will be honored forever. Isn't that interesting that the Bible says the one who cleansed themselves in the latter days will be used as the instruments of God? Nothing has changed from the old to the new. Just the cross. Just the sacrifice. It's the same message. <clears throat> A place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. What is dear to Jesus' heart now? His bride. His bride. So imagine you receiving truth and not giving value to this process. Imagine you getting the depth of truth and not giving value to the process. It's like not giving value to the Holy Spirit because that's what he thrives to establish in you. Uh, next one. As for you, if you faithfully follow me as David your father did, obeying all my commands, decrees, and regulations. You see that now? Now the, now the path of obedience is established. You see the pattern? Obedient. Naturally, you become obedient. Then I will establish the throne of your destiny. For I have made this covenant with your father David when I said one of your descendants will always rule over Israel. But if your descendants abandon me and disobey the decrees and commands I have given you, and if you serve and worship other gods, then I will uproot the people from this land that I have given them. I will reject this temple that I have made holy to honor my name. I will make it an object of mockery and ridicule among the nations. Now, what is the Israel of God? Paul said the Israel of God is those who are circumcised in their heart. Those who have been truly transformed inside of their heart. Next, please. And though this temple is impressive now, all who pass by will be appalled. They will ask, why did the Lord do such terrible things to this land and to this temple? And the answer will be because his people abandoned the Lord. Now, what does it mean to abandon the Lord? It means to turn, abandoning, turning from your wicked ways. You read scripture in context, you get your answer. It means not allowing the Holy Spirit to work on your heart through praying and locating the Holy Spirit in this area. <clears throat> The God of their ancestors who brought them out of Egypt and they worshipped other gods instead bowed down to them. That is why he has brought all these disasters on them. Okay, so we go to the next scripture now. We go to John 17. The first time Jesus ever prayed for his disciples and believers and us. Look what he said to the Father. Look what he said to the Father for us. And let's read it now. I know it's a big scripture, but it's very important. When you hear Jesus pray, uh, when you hear the Holy Spirit talk, pay great attention. Because you, he, you begin to understand what is he interested with. 
Yeah, isn't it interesting that the body of Christ or churches today, they're not interested in these things. They always uh, operating through hype or what God is doing outside. And I can't tell you what the Holy Spirit done for me inside that's allowed him to be who he is for me now. And I'll have no other way because it is the only way. So, we'll read it. When Jesus had spoken these things, he raised his eyes to heaven in prayer and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that my son may glorify you. Just as you have given him power and authority over all mankind, now glorify him so that he may give eternal life to all whom you have given him to be his permanently and forever. Now this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true supreme and sovereign God. And in the same manner know Jesus as the Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you down here on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory and majesty that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name and revealed your very self, your real self, to the people whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept and obeyed your word. Now, the first foundation. Now, at last, they know with confidence assurance that all you have given me is from you. It is really and truly yours. For the words which you gave me, I have given them. And they received and accepted them and truly understood with confident assurance that I came from you, from your presence. And they believed without any doubt that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. And all things are mine and yours, and all things that are yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, yet they are still in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name the name which you have given me, so that they may be one, just as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me, and I guarded them and protected them, and not one of them was lost except the son of destruction, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you and I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may experience my joy made full and complete and perfect within them, filling their hearts with my delight. Now, isn't that an amazing blessing right there with the condition that Jesus wants every one of us to experience his joy so that it can be full and overflowing. Now, look at this here. I 
I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them and protect them from the evil one. Am I reading? All right. I have given them to. I have given them your word. Oh, sorry. I'll go up. But now I'm coming to you, and I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may experience my joy, made full and complete and perfect within them, filling their hearts with my delight. I have given to them your word, the message you gave me. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world and do not belong to the world. Just as they are not of the world and do not belong to it. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to you keep them and protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Now you see the second, you see the second foundation that he given us his word. Now we move to sanctification. Sanctification means to be holy. Sanctify them in the truth. Set them apart for your purposes. Make them holy. Your word is truth. Just as you commissioned and sent me into the world, I have commissioned and sent them believers into the world. For their sake, I sanctify myself to do your will so that they also may be sanctified, set apart, dedicated, made holy in your truth. I do not pray for these alone. Now he's speaking to us now. I do not pray for these alone. It is not for their sake only that I make this request, but also for all those who will ever believe and trust in me through this message. Nothing has changed. We have changed, but nothing of the truth has changed. That they all may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they may also be one in us so that they, the world may believe without any doubt that you sent me. Isn't that interesting? That God sees us one as he is one by how we are cleansed by the word of truth. Can you see this, someone? It's the truth. I have given them the glory and honor which you have given me, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected and completed into one, so that the world may know without any doubt that you sent me and that you have loved them just as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me as your gift to me may be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O just and righteous Father, although the world has not known and has never acknowledged you and the revelation of your mercy, yet I have always known you and these believers know without any doubt that you sent me. Isn't that interesting that how he, how he identifies God our Father as just and righteous So, question you must ask yourself today. Have you established the second foundation of the truth? Because who, who does the cleansing? Who does the expose, exposing? Exactly. 
and that is established through prayer. Who lets you see things that you can't see? It's Him. Have you given Him permission for this? And I can tell you now, um, just around the 10 years now, yeah, 10 years, I have no other way. And I really believe that people that haven't given value to this, uh, lacking true joy, but also lacking direction. So I encourage you to, to reflect that are you a person that has understood the first level of prayer? There's probably seven levels of prayer in the New Testament. The first level is this one. After receiving truth, there is a prayer of repentance. And that gives you the ability and the gift to see what's inside. He lets you see. They say all over the Old Testament, Lord, you search me and you see if there's any offensive way in me. You begin to see, okay, am I trying to do the scene? Or has the Holy Spirit began this work in me? A lot of people are trying to do the scene for themselves. But the Holy Spirit is the one who begins to let you see things that are so subtle and so hidden. And it's so true. When you know that the Holy Spirit loves this, uh, process, you give value to him and you begin to rely on his voice you begin to rely on the things that need to be addressed in you imagine bypassing this process and trying to be used by God and trying to be a vessel of God and you haven't went through the process that you need to go through and there's many areas, many areas your mind, your character, your heart there are many areas, your personality, your behavior. Many areas that the Holy Spirit has to work on. And you begin to reflect. Yes, there's some sins that I've dealt with, but my character is defiled. My character is insufficient. You begin to look at a deeper picture. So, let's go to Acts. This is a nice scripture, actually. People, people always talk about Paul and his great calling, right? Yeah, look what Jesus said to him. This is where Jesus come to Paul. Look what he said to him. <clears throat> Isn't that interesting? Look what Jesus was interested with. Now, can I say this humbly? The moment you become interested with the things that God is interested with, you start to move and you start to gain momentum. You know, talk about blessings, talks about gifts, the church will be full. It's still full. Talk about the process, a lot of people are burnt out, they're weary, they're frustrated, they're confused. It's hard. And it's not meant to be like this. It's actually not meant to be like this. Jesus is gentle in dealing with us. But if you don't know what he wants to produce inside of you, then it becomes hard. And it's true. 
until I gave the Holy Spirit permission to work inside of me, I couldn't see the things that he had to address inside of me. That was blocking me to, to be promoted for the kingdom. So it's like the Holy Spirit showing me level by level of how we are to treat the level of truth. So you get a hold of the truth, then you get a hold of prayer. And that prayer turns into the truth for my heart. Hebrews 4.12, the first encounter the word has is where? Your heart, your thoughts, even to the marrow. You begin to see the level of truth was for the level of what's inside. That's, that's why you were created by God. Now you may see it differently, but God created you for you to inherit the truth and for you to be cleansed. Whether you see or you don't see, it doesn't bother me. But that's what God created for you to walk in. Now last week I preached about God created you for the truth. The next step, God created you to be holy. Why? Because that's God's character. It's not something that you please him. That's who he is. And that's the truth. You don't make yourself holy to be used by God. That's who he is. That's his character. And the more you have intimacy with the word and the Holy Spirit, it all begins to take shape. But can I say it like this? So many believers are burnt out and weary and frustrated and on an empty tank when it comes to the will of God regarding navigating with their hearts. Right? How many people have went through the places of discipline and so many people struggle and yet discover where the Holy Spirit needs to work and focus on? <clears throat> now look here. This is when Paul encountered Jesus. Look at what he was summoned to do. This is from Acts <clears throat> chapter 26, verse 13 to 18. It says, At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven surpassing the brightness of the sun, shining all around me and those who were traveling with me. And when all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice in the Hebrew dialect, Jewish Aramaic, saying to me, Saw, saw, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick repeatedly against the goads, offering pointless resistance. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you to serve as a minister and as a witness, to testify with authority, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, choosing you for myself and rescuing you from the Jewish and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. Now look at this here. Sending him for what? Is it just for a name? Because everyone knows the name of Jesus. It's deeper than that. 
to open their spiritual eyes that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness and release from their sins and inheritance among those who have been sanctified, set apart, made holy by faith in me. Now, isn't that interesting? You encounter Jesus. You encounter Jesus and look at the message that he brings. Today, if we were to encounter Jesus, and I really believe it, that we would come to Jesus, Lord, give me gifts. Give me a blessing. Allow me to be used by you. And that's the, that's, that's the broad church that I see today, is that we've neglected the very thing that produces you to be a true vessel of God. Now look what Jesus, from his own mouth, what he said. And his greatest desire of his true death on the cross was that one. That your spiritual eyes are open that you may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness and release from their sins and inheritance among those who have been sanctified, set apart, made holy by faith in me. Isn't it interesting that Paul says that the mature have discerned both good and evil. God sees maturity of seeing the difference between good and evil because then you can choose to resist. But I'm just opening your understanding here because every person here will have a responsibility to give you truth. How you filter it, it's up to you. But when I understood that Jesus, God the Father is interested in this, Jesus is interested in this, and the Holy Spirit is interested in this, how, how can I decide to take any other path to get to God? And yes, he's merciful and he's patient, but his greatest desire is that your eyes are open so you don't walk in any shadow of the enemy in your mind, your heart, or your flesh. And that is the cross. Jesus died to destroy the works of the, of the, of the devil. He died to destroy his works in the altar of our hearts. So you see the pattern here. First, your spiritual eyes are open, so you turn from darkness to light. Second, you'll be released from the power of Satan and then unto God. Then you receive forgiveness and be released from your sin. Then you'll be sanctified, set apart, made holy for God's purpose. You see the process? Can I tell you something? Holy Spirit has been so much emphasizing this about letting the people understand the process. Because when you have a process, you have a vision. And so many people's visions are destroyed because they don't know the process. Right? Yes? It's true. Without a vision, my people perish. And isn't it interesting that the first vision God wants to do is internal work. When someone says, every week you talk about this. Every week God speaks about this. I'm not the only one. I'm showing you through the scripture that the true doctrine that comes from God is true. And we're not speaking scripture here for itching ears. We're speaking here uh, unto mature people. 
We go to Isaiah 55, verse 6 to 11. Nothing has changed. The prayer of repentance leads to sanctification, which produces holiness and righteousness. You must understand this. That is the compass. And it's divine. It's given by Christ. That's what he died for. So let's keep going. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way again. Our first encounter when we draw near to God, what is it? Forsaking your evil ways. And what does that look like? All your life before Christ. All the things that you fed yourself with. You taught yourself. You lived by your old nature. Isn't that interesting? That we think that overnight this can be dealt with. And there are levels. There are le but Jesus, when he died, he gave us the ability to destroy all the works. So isn't it interesting that the first encounter of how a person draws near to God is forsaking his evil ways. Imagine you're not established in this place of prayer with the Holy Spirit. You're constantly being, you get taken back to your past, to the old nature, where there is addictions, where there is the old lifestyle, where's the habits, you get conti continuously taken back there. It's true. Letting the Holy Spirit work in this area, it's not based on time. It's based on your commitment to understand. It's not based on time. So let's say I have a badge on my shirt, 10 years in the Lord. It doesn't mean nothing. What matters is that I've understood the process. And I've committed to the process and I'm cooperating with the process. Because I can tell you now, for all the people that have just started their journey, there are so many things that are surfacing and people don't know what to do with it. But I'm teaching you how the Holy Spirit keeps promoting you and keeps elevating you. So look at the first encounter after receiving truth. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Isn't it interesting that he speaks about a way, the way of life that you live, and your thought process? Isn't it interesting that the enemy keeps on focusing on keeping you on a way that's selfish and keeping your thoughts that are selfish? The Bible says that Jesus died so that you no longer live for yourself. Isn't it interesting that the greatest weapon and tactic of the enemy is selfishness? Can someone hear? The greatest tactic that is so hidden, that's produced so much fruit for the enemy, unfortunately, is selfishness. Now, isn't it interesting? What ushered the door for the Lord to come to my children is the thing that he said to me, because you turned your attention to my children, my family. He turned his attention to my family. Does that mean I have to do something for God? No, I've chosen what God's asked me to do. He's turned his attention to my family. So it says here, let the wicked forsake his way. Remember this passage, please. 
and the unrighteous man his thoughts, let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Now, remember that scripture. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down, and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth the bud, though it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word. Now, we quote the scripture a lot. Look at the first verse. Now look at this verse here. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and shall it prosper in the things for which I sent it. Now, what, why was that word sent? The word, the first encounter with the word was to turn your thoughts from the evil thoughts to God's thoughts and your ways, that is evil, to God's ways. That's why the word was sent. Do you understand? Are we understanding this? That's why the word was sent to accomplish that very and most important work. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. What did God please? Is that you be holy. Make no mistake. Hebrews 9.14, please. Now, we're talking about the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. A lot of people uh, speak about Jesus at the cross for salvation, which is true, but that's for when you die. Look at the greater work that he emphasizes. It says, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Holy Spirit willingly offered himself unblemished, that is, without moral or spiritual imperfection as a sacrifice, to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works and lifeless observance to serve the living, to serve the ever-living God. So now he's speaking about a conscience here. So let's have a look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7 to 15. Now here paints a picture of how people fall from the grace of God. I'm going to show you two scriptures of how you grow in the grace of God and how you fall in the grace of God. Okay, the first one is, I don't promote this scripture. It's sad that anyone can go there. But look what it says here. Now you begin to see a picture of what is the reason that a person can fall from the grace of God. Okay, it's right there in the first scripture. It's right there. A person that falls from the grace of God is a person who refuses, unfortunately, to be disciplined by the Lord. Disciplined by the Lord for what reason? To make you holy, set apart for God's purpose. Deeper than that, it's for the enemy 
to be destroyed inside of you. Jesus didn't die for you on the cross for you to have traces of the enemy lingering around or allowing you to be a vessel to be unclean. So look what it says here. It says Hebrews 12 verse 7. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as a son. Now he's talking about sonship here now. The, the true definition of a son is, or a daughter in Christ, the mature, not a babe, is those who have accepted discipline. God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you're without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are legitimate and not sons. Illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we've had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chasten us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Now can I, can I give some emphasis on this? It's a training. It's not a one-off thing with God. It's a training. Isn't that interesting? That it's those who have been trained by it. Can I tell you something? How can you be trained from something that you haven't been prepared for? Is that right? How can you, be, how can you accept training if this hasn't been brought to you? How can you actually prepare for it? How can you prepare yourself to be trained by the Lord if you haven't understood the very thing that he has to do inside of you? So he's talking about a training now. You're in a training now. And a lot of people, they're not aware of these things. That I have to be trained. Meaning, you have an instructor. And he's going to begin to surface these things inside of you. Okay, we keep going. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. What a statement right there. Isn't that interesting? Jesus created you to be holy. Jesus gave you the Holy Spirit for you to be holy. Isn't that interesting why he says without holiness no one will see the Lord? You know why? Because when people received the Holy Spirit, they didn't understand what the Holy Spirit needed to do inside of them. Jesus came and he died on the cross, right? He said, it's better for me to go. I'm going to send someone who's going to change you internally. Isn't that interesting? that a lot of people don't yet know why Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. And, and that's God the Holy Spirit inside of you, wanting to cleanse you, 
restore you and work on you. And can I tell you something? It's a training. You know what that means? I will never stop speaking about it. That's what it means. Because there's multi-dimensions, there's multi-layers. But it goes to show you here, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And you begin to see, have I understood the Holy Spirit in this way, in the beginning of my journey, to actually allow him to work on me. Now, let's go to Second Peter, verse 3 to 10, verse 3, verse 10 to 18. Now, um, where was that one? Did I finish Hebrews 7? No, I didn't. Can we go back, please? I've, I've got the main, the main one. <laughs> I forgot the main one, sorry. Okay, so look here. <clears throat> He's showing us here what allows us to fall short of the grace of God. Okay? It's a massive statement. But if you read it in context, you will see where you went wrong as a believer. So the Bible says that we are saved by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says there is a spirit of grace also that's released upon our lives. So who wants more grace in their lives? God gives more grace. He does. The Bible says that God opposes the, the proud and gives what? So, the, so there is a releasement, not only at what Jesus done on the cross, but there is a more of a grace in how you understand what he wants. So it says here, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Now isn't it interesting that the doorway to bitterness is lack of discipline? I really believe that, and it's true. Why so many people suffer from a bitterness or a resentment is because they're lacking the true discipline of God. So, it says, by this many become defiled. So I'm going to show you a scripture where you are to grow in the grace of God. We go to Second Peter, verse 3. And I'll finish with this scripture. Well, I'll finish up. <clears throat> so here he's talking about a new heaven and earth. He says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will vanish with a mighty and thunderous roar, and the material elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and the works that are on it will be burnt up. I'm reading the Bible here. I'm reading the Bible. It's living. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be in the meantime? In holy behavior that is in a pattern of daily life that sets you apart as a believer. Because a lot of people ask me, okay, what is the true meaning of holiness? Here. This is it. Not lock yourself up in the mountains and don't see anyone. This is it here. 
It says, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be in the meantime in holy behavior that is in a pattern habit of daily life that sets you apart as a believer and in godliness displaying profound reverence towards our awesome God. While you earnestly look for and await the coming of the day of God, for on this day the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the material elements will melt with intense heat, but in accordance with his promise, we expectantly await new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So beloved, so beloved, he's speaking to us, since you are looking forward to these things, be diligent and make every effort to be found by him at his return, spotless and blameless in peace. That is, inwardly calm with a sense of spiritual well-being and confidence, having lived a life of obedience to him. And consider the patience of our Lord. Now he's talking about the patience of our Lord. And consider the patience of our Lord, his delay in judging and avenging wrongs as salvation, that is, allowing time for more to be saved. Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him by God, speaking about these things as he does in all his letters, in which there are some things that are difficult to understand which the untaught and unstable who have fallen into error twist and misinterpret just as they do the rest of the scriptures. Isn't that interesting that the Antichrist is most active around what? Where holiness wants to be produced. Where righteousness wants to be produced. The Antichrist is most at work around the area of change. Did you hear this? So the greatest work of the Antichrist, he sets, he, sets his, he sets his battle against where holiness wants to be produced in your heart. Righteousness wants to be produced in you. Set apart day-to-day habit. He sets his attacks around this area in a person's life when they're walking with God. Isn't that interesting? Now, he, he goes on again, deeper. So, okay, so I'm finishing. It says, therefore, let me warn you, beloved, knowing these things beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men. Isn't that interesting that the fruit of someone lacking holiness or righteousness, his lack is he's unprincipled. Who distort doctrine and fall from their own steadfastness. Here he talks about falling from your secured position. Isn't that interesting that we have a responsibility that we do not fall from our secured position? Isn't it interesting that we have spiritual positions in the dimension of our walk that can be easily tarnished or can be easily uh, 
tainted. But I find this very relevant because in, the, in all those times I've been saved, most of my attacks have been against the very thing that God wants to establish in me and this ministry. A lot of people always tell me you give too much emphasis on this type of topic. I've showed you with the scriptures why the word was given to us. I just showed you why Jesus gave the revelation to Paul and why he truly called him. I showed you that it's deeper than anyone can understand or think. And we are to give great value to this. Why? Because the greatest work that Jesus can ever do is inside of you. <clears throat> so, it says here, unprincipled men who distort doctrine and fall from their own steadfastness of mind, knowledge, truth, and faith. It's an amazing scripture. Now, this is it. But grow spiritually mature in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, honor, majesty, splendor, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Now you begin to see here, what is the, what is the fruit of someone growing in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? The whole scripture that I just read. You begin to see, who wants more grace? Give more value to allowing God to work on your heart. Right? Right? Isn't it interesting that our flesh are never, is never interested in this topic? <laughs> Isn't that interesting, right? But the Holy Spirit is. <clears throat> this is how I treated the Holy Spirit in my journey. What He loved, I must love. Even though it's painful or challenging at times, I'll have another way because it's only God's way. And it is the truth. And you may think, nah, you know, I've got it under control, I know what I'm doing. Believe me, when the Holy Spirit comes, it's very different. You know, I don't watch TV, I don't read this, I don't do this. You'd be surprised what the Holy Spirit begins to work on inside. And a lot of people tell me, you know, like, um, you know, I don't do all these things. Um, where's God taking you? I don't know. How is God using you? He's not using me. And you begin to see, okay, where has the enemy robbed you in all these areas? Why are you like this? And it's another dimension that no one's ever probably looked at. Why isn't God speaking to me? So I begin to encourage you to understand that this is a training ground. Have you put your name down to be trained by him? And have you opened your heart? So he can work on you in this area. My greatest battle and struggle was to build this foundation. <clears throat> the greatest struggle that I had in all these years was to establish this very foundation. That the Holy Spirit wants to make you holy. Therefore, there is a kingdom that he has to come inside and flip and change.
Remember when Jesus flipped those tables? You made my, my house a house of merchandise. The enemy put so much merchandise inside. Jesus says, this house, house of prayer. He flipped all the tables so he can make the, this place a place of prayer. Remember, if it's not a place of prayer, it's a place of merchandise. <laughs> this house, house of prayer. But if it's not a house of prayer, unfortunately, the enemy can put his merchandise inside. And I showed a little treasure there of why Jesus flipped the table. Flipped the table of where you eat or what you sell and what you treasure for in your heart. So I encourage you. I can preach years about this. Why? Because I invested my very time in this. I knew what God loves and I have to love it. Even though it's not pleasant in the beginning, uh, it's worth it. Why? Because no more, by day by day, am I ruled by the world, or ruled by the enemy, or ruled by sin. And that is the truth. So the greatest vessel is a vessel who's established himself for prayer for repentance, which leads to sanctification, holiness, and righteousness, then you'll be able to be used by God. So I encourage you, the first standard of truth, the second foundation is a prayer of repentance that allows you to see. Okay, I'll put one little scripture, and I think I'll, I'll, I'll speak about this quickly. And I'll show you what repentance looks like quickly if you don't mind. Psalms 51. Psalms 51. Now this is regarding King David with Bathsheba. So I'm not talking about the sin itself. I'm talking about the process of repentance. Okay? Now, <clears throat> when it comes to repentance, it's a good question. How do I repent? Or what's the pathway in God's eyes of truly repenting? Now, I gave you a picture of what God loves. I want to give you a little snippet of how true repentance enters the heart and how you can truly actually change. Okay, the most important one is the first one. Why? Because King David identified God as a loving, compassionate, merciful God. Now, this is the first most important foundation because if you don't know his character, you can't receive his character to change. Right? So it says, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfading love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Now, isn't it interesting that he knew God's character? Before you expect anything to change or to shift in your life, you must know how much God loves you and how much compassion he has for you and mercy by what he done at the cross. Very important. The man who produced no fruit in the New Testament, he dug it and he said, I knew you to be a hard man. And that was something that couldn't produce fruit, the fruit of change or the fruit to multiply is because he knew him to be a, a harder man. So next one. He says, wash me, clean me from my guilt, purify me from my sin. 
Next one. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Isn't that interesting that a prayer of repentance recognizes what's actually happening inside the heart? Isn't that interesting when the parable of the lost son, what did he do? A lot of people talk about how he ran into God's hands and put a ring and a robe around him. But isn't it interesting that he actually came back? He came back. He recognized that he sinned against God and heaven. Isn't it interesting that recognizing is the door to coming into a loving God? Taking responsibility. Even though your pride will be crushed, even though things may look different, taking responsibility of your heart and your actions is the doorway for God to wrap his hands around you. Look at King David. He recognized his sin. And look, this is, this is the parable of the lost son all over again. Next one, please. Against you and you alone have I sinned and have done what is evil in your sight. You'll be, you'll be proved right in the way you say and your judgment against me is just. Now, I'll stop here. But I'm just showing you what repentance looks like. Repentance, or the greatest blessing of repentance, is, the recon is recognizing and seeing what's inside. Can you understand that? The greatest gift of repentance is recognizing what's inside and recognizing that you've done it against God and God alone. And that takes me back to that, that takes me back to how much he was hurt regarding sin. And how much are we hurt inside when we sin or we do things that is contrary to God. It haunts him day and night. Does sin do that to you when you sin? You begin to see, okay, you know, sin, I don't like it, but it's my friend. It's, it's got a benefit in me. But the moment you hate it and it haunts you day and night, you'll do everything you can to rid yourself from that. So your attitude towards sin is very important. So, so many people can sin and ask for repentance, God forgives. But the attitude where it haunts him, he doesn't want it to be in his body or mind anymore. I'm just showing you the doorway of repentance. It's to hate. To hate it at the point where you don't want it to, to echo anywhere next to you. It haunts him day and night. Now this is something that God gives. Repentance, the Bible says that God grants you repentance. Isn't that interesting that God grants you repentance? Everything is given divine. But it's based on when you want to change. So truth for prayer of repentance is the pathway for the Holy Spirit to work in you. I hope that finds you well. But repentance, the, probably the blueprint of repentance is from Psalms 51. Anyone want to read it? But the attitude towards sin, I take something so much from that. Recognizing what's inside and the attitude towards sin, he hates it. It haunts him day and night. Get so much from that. When you ask the Lord, teach me to hate what is evil. Teach me.
it is a teaching. Everything is a teaching. But I'm just putting you in the place where the Holy Spirit builds you on a healthy foundation. Have you ever understood it like that? I repent before you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. It's not like that. It's a training. It's a, it's a teaching. It's a fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying that's, 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 that's everything. That's the beginning of becoming everything for the Lord. But I'm just telling you how God wants to establish us on a healthy and a right foundation. And how much it's lacking inside the churches today. You speak about the process, everyone falls asleep. You speak about blessings, gifts, the place will be full at the front. But God loves this more than anything. Because that's the thing that actually allows you to be a true son. Amen. So I pray by God's grace that you receive it. A lot of people say, uh, you know, I want to know the Lord in this way. That is the truth. It is the truth. And I'll show you from scripture, nothing has changed. It's, have you really read it to see what he really says? And from all those scriptures that I read, we learn one major thing. God does not take shortcuts. So you've been frustrated in the process. You've been stuck in a process. You feel like you're not moving in the process. comes down to this. It does. It comes down to this. Truth. God wants to establish truth. Now, truth for repentance which leads to holiness, righteousness, then you can be set apart. Nothing's changed. God's word is eternal. He magnified his word above his name. It's true. But I teach you the truth. A healthy foundation is what God wants inside of us. Okay, let's pray. there are any people here that are upcoming ministers or they are or they are already serving in a place where they're leading establish this teaching I tell you this in love I forgot to say that that the greatest foundation is establishing true doctrine and that's the Holy Spirit's desire forget about everything else if there's one thing that lasts forever, it's you giving value to what God loves most. And isn't it interesting that he says in the end times, there'll be people will grow cold. They'll grow cold. They'll be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. You start to see it's opposite of what holiness is. I share this with you to encourage you. We are not going to be those people that grow cold. We're going to be people that share in His holiness because we are seeking Him with all our hearts. Thank you, Jesus.
And that is the gift of Jesus at the cross. He died for this very reason. Not only to write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, but for the life that you live on earth is to be holy, set apart. That's the greatest way Jesus gets the glory in any person is he's cleansing himself. And that requires deep reflection with yourself and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And it is, this is the true doctrine of Christ Jesus. It is. I thank you all for coming but I pray this most important prayer that we become who Christ calls us to be thank you Holy Spirit so for the people that are ministers or upcoming ministers or in leadership preach true doctrine doesn't matter who opposes you or who comes against you preach it let it change you first and then preach it. This is how you become a true ambassador of Christ. So thank you all for coming. I pray for you. We thank you, Father, as we enter your throne of grace by the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus to receive mercy, help, and grace in time of need. I pray, Father, that you give us eyes to see and give us a heart to hear how we may know you deeply in the pathway of repentance which leads to holiness righteousness and truth unto you I thank you Lord I thank you for your word that comes from heaven it will go forth and produce what it was sent to do I pray Father in Jesus name that you give us the grace by the Holy Spirit to be these people your true bride set apart sanctified made holy I thank you Lord Jesus for your word your word is true let every man be a liar but your word be true thank you for your word thank you for your word Lord I pray Holy Spirit you bless this meeting in their hearts in their minds and give them hunger now to know what you desire most thank you Jesus we love you so much Lord hallelujah to your name thank you Holy Spirit for being here where the Spirit of the Lord is there's freedom I thank you for true freedom by living holy with you which is a gift from God amen thank you Jesus thank you Jesus hallelujah Thank you, Jesus. I encourage you to inherit this and allow it to be the blueprint of how you walk with Christ. And if you are doing it, bless you. 